a lot of the times the most uh, veteran teachers, those that have seen, you know, oh, I, I had a student, you know, they go back to their one anecdotal, one example, and then they just carry that forward and then try to box in my son in, in these really potentially damaging ways that often led to a, a traumatic experience or dissonance. Episode 48, The Child-to-Parent Diagnostic Pipeline. Welcome to the Autistic Culture Podcast. Each episode, we dive deep into autistic contributions to society and culture by introducing you to some of the world's most famous and successful autistics in history. Before we get started, a quick disclaimer on how we use the word autistic. The purpose of this show is not to diagnose the people or characters we discuss as autistic. While some may have announced being autistic, what we're really sharing here is our observation of what is representative of autistic culture. It can sometimes be difficult for autistic people to celebrate our natural tendencies and traits due to the perception of autism as a disorder that needs to be fixed, a long history of damaging medical interventions to get autistics to fit in with mainstream culture, and protective masking skills many of us have developed to try to stay safe. Whether you are autistic or just love someone who is, your hosts, Dr. Angela Loria, the linguistic autistic. And licensed psychological practitioner, Matt Lowry, welcome you to take this time to be fully immersed in the language, values, traditions, norms, and identity of Autistica. Autistica. Hey, Angela. I have a special guest for us today. Oh, that's who that is. Yes, exactly. I'm very excited to introduce you to Brett Malley. Brett is the creator of The Divergent Gift, one of our favorite gifts being Divergent, Unboxing Autism. And we are going to talk with Brett about the child to parent diagnosis pipeline. Uh, I met Matt because, or I met Brett. I met you because I heard you on a podcast, Matt. I met Brett because he reached out, heard our podcast and told me about his film, which I'm super excited about. So we are going to talk about the film. I know all of our listeners will want to watch it. But Brett, I wanted to welcome you and um, just start off with the story. I know a couple years ago, your son got diagnosed, but take us back even before that. How'd you end up getting the diagnosis? How'd you end up there? Tell us about your kid. Tell us about you. We want to hear your story. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. This is this is so exciting. I've been hearing you guys' voices, and so this is wonderful to actually be here. So, thank you, Matt. Thank Yay. you, Angela. Um, yeah, that well, that's that's a big story and an ongoing story. There's a film about it coming out pretty soon. Ooh, <laughs> um, should make so, it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the to sort of condense it. I mean, it's it's so interesting to unpack because now it's it's one of those uh, moments that how did we not how how is this not so obvious and caught? I mean, I couldn't, they couldn't put shoes on me until I was six. It was moccasins only, uh, no tags. I mean, I love, you know, anything juggling and spinning, yeah, perfectly reasonable. Um, the foods, right. I would rather die than eat tomatoes or onions. Of course. Uh, and mm-hmm. the, it's like for real, uh, <laughs> and all these things that, you know, and, 
we look at it now with that hindsight 2020 and it's this aha moment. And then we're looking at my mom and my aunt and uncle. And ah. we realize, wow, we, we have no neurotypicals in our family. <laughs> and, so, and that that's how, oops, sorry to hit the microphone. That, that's how it makes sense is, and I'm hearing this interviewing a lot of people, um, that also got a diagnosis in a similar fashion or in their own way, um, where it's this refrain is, is the accommodations from the neurodivergent, you know, family members, um, were just implicit for the ones that were, were supported in, in certain ways. And so for the late diagnosis, it, yeah, wasn't caught. It's like, oh, that's just, that's just Brett, you know, he's going <laughs> to. Yeah, Brett's just yeah. going to be Brett. You know what he's like. So, Good old you know, Brett. Or, or, you know, that's, that's just Jimmy. He has to walk at that speed. And that's, that's just Jimmy, you know. And um, so the the accommodations for kind of supportive family um, was great. But my son was the very first official diagnosis in our family. And from that process, uh, and, you know, we're doing their various schools and he was being so misunderstood by educators, by, you know, they didn't understand the fluctuation of how he could do one thing, you know, one day and then really just not be able to another, another day. And, and trying to explain that I have well over, you know, books worth of emails that I've sent in crafting it to a way that uh, <laughs> I now I know a neurotypical so this yeah. happened when he was like five, six, seven, like just starting no, school no, when yeah, you started no, so, noticing stuff. <laughs> so at first we moved to our, this is why it's such a, like a long story. We moved to the, the town they were at because they had a Waldorf school, which is what I went through, uh. which worked for, you know, the artsy, the, you know, uh, you know, hippie family eclectic sort of life that, that very much worked. It did not for my son. So oh, when yeah. we first moved there, he's like, I could care less about gnomes and fairies. Give me something that has gears and that works. And I can, he, he just like all of the imagined course. stuff that was, was my <laughs> autistic brain was, was different with his. And this is also something interesting. And so we're like, okay, he needs the chaos of the environment of all these, you know, kids doing their things to have more order. So we found this sort of college prep school from, um, from, I guess, kindergarten through third grade where the kids had to have more parameters that worked for him. Mm. <laughs> and so while that was good that they weren't allowed to be on his face and there was just a bit more order, they started having that same rigidity around academics and expectations, all these, all these, you know, assumptions and uh. very, yeah, very few sort of walk the walk of, you know, meeting the child where they're at, like, <laughs> No. We like to say it, but we don't actually like to do it because we've got right. like, yes. classrooms full of kids. <laughs> so while yeah. he was, you know, experiencing this and I'm trying to just translate what's going on to teachers, um, where we started really looking at it. And, you know, I was that parent that, oh, no, I did. I had even more sensory that I did. You know, that that was my experience. And then my mom, too. And um, so I have to live with a bit of that guilt of not not seeing this, um, for, <laughs> for more of, you know, how to advocate with an actual tool of a diagnosis. Cause it, mm. it became a, a lever that we could finally use, even though I, it didn't change anything and I could still say all the same things, but now I can say, oh yeah, these doctors also said this, here's a lever. Um, 
But even then, uh, it wasn't enough. But during that process to get to you, <laughs> how did I end up here? During that process of going through that horrible, horrible the questionnaire, the, you know, the waiting period and um, just, you know, that that sort of nightmare. And then the teacher's comments and their, you know, hypercritical evaluation and, you know, all of that. Um, I was looking at those questions and I'm like, oh, this is the, okay. Oh, oh, you know, and it just Wait, like. Before we get to you, I want to stick with your um, kid for a second. So, yeah, uh, so the, it was actually the school that started, was it as part of an IEP? How, how no, did. So since we did the private, private route. Um, okay. So my wife is also neurodivergent and no had such a horrible, horrible time. No <laughs> kidding. I know. Shockers. Um, since, uh, you know, she had such not great time with, uh, public schools. Um, and then knowing, knowing our child, we really tried to find, you know, where is he, he at, um, to back up a little bit right before we transitioned to that other school from Waldorf, we took a trip to DC. I have an aunt, uh, an uncle, you know, he, was mathematician for NIH and engineers and all these things. And when he was That's talking awesome. with them as this little tiny tyke, he, he was having these <laughs> huge conversations that were like at high school and college level and conceptual. I'm like, oh, little professor oh. vibes. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. And so <laughs> that's, that's when we're like, Oh, Waldorf, that's not his route. <laughs> so, um, you know, we had to, I was, I was fully expecting, you know, it, it's parenting is a wild ride for sure. Um, wild. But to come to terms with, you know, really listening to what he needed, we moved that way. So anyways, we kept doing the private school knowing that for the supports that he needed, it needed to just have that kind of environment. Um, but that ended up, backfiring uh, majorly because they were so rigid and they didn't understand the asynchronicity of how he could learn this underground river uh, yeah. of how even though he couldn't produce work, right? He couldn't just pump out blah, 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 blah. Um, he would do nothing for a week and then have... <laughs> Have, you know, they would have a writing assignment that he was excited about, right? A concept or something. And then he would write, you know, multiple grade levels above what, you know, and they're like, what, what just happened? I'm like, I'm to you guys. <laughs> and so, and it was, it was like that. Um, and as a parent, that's, that's tricky to trust. So lots of misunderstanding, lots of hurt him getting, you know, punished f in certain ways, um, for, for just being him, he, you know, and so, um, we left that school, uh, mm. we, and, but during that time, right at the very end, we finally got the diagnosis. So it wasn't, it wasn't the lever that we wanted, uh, but it was like, <laughs> I, we've been telling you, <laughs> like, this is, why have you not been listening to us? So. I, I want to stop there for a second. When you got the diagnosis and Matt, I'd love to hear you chime in just yes, in terms sorry, of your experience with um, giving parents diagnosis, because you've kind of talked about this a little bit on the show before, but was there... Was it like all good news? Was it congratulations on the autism or were there mixed feelings? Were there fears about the future of your kid? Like before we even get to you figuring out some of your stuff, um, what do <laughs> Sorry, you see, Matt? Uh, it, it, it depends. Uh, so these days, again, because of the podcast and because, you know, I'm out and proud and advertising all of it, uh, I almost exclusively get people who are 
fairly autism positive and they've done all the research. But in the past, especially when I took like Medicaid, uh, there would be some people and I would say, congratulations, you have a hyper-connected brain. And then grandpa would be like, well, she can't be autistic because she's a girl. I want a second opinion. You don't know what you're talking about. Or uh, one woman threatened to report me to the Senate because uh, I I gave an autism diagnosis and she said, you need weeks and weeks of uh, research to do this. You can't do it in just one visit. And I was like, I can and did. So she, it's magic. she got very mm-hmm. upset. So, uh, and but then also uh, I would expect like different parents or grandparents, if they're about, would have different reactions. Like mom's excited and dad's like, this is a tragedy. Our child will never find love or gainful employment. Especially for mixed neurotype couples, because, you know, the, the inevitably, because this is the way, there's at least one parent, that, because autistic kids come from autistic parents. So if you're in a mixed neurotype couple where one partner is autistic and the other is allistic, or, or one partner is autistic and the other is neurotypical, uh, you know, the, the neurotypical parent is inevitably worried that the kid won't be quote unquote normal. And that's that causes issues because then you say, but I'm just like that. Do you not feel that way about me? And that causes a lot of deeper stuff. And then I refer people for cross neurotype counseling because yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's where the relationship counseling comes in. Exactly. But that's, that's the thing. So there's, there's a lot of people that I've had to explain that the A word is not bad. Uh, For instance, like someone would uh, say, oh yes, my kid has dyslexia, dysgraphia, dyscalculia, uh, ADHD, uh, OCD. Uh, And like, you just don't want to say, you say. You, you just don't want to say autism. Is that it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, that, that's where I have to be, you know, introduce the hyperconnected brain and the whole immunity to mTORs and that, you know, we, we, this is just the way of our people. And perhaps when you were growing up, did you accidentally run into, run into walls and have a fascination with horses? Why? Yes, I did. (laughs) So yeah, that, and that's, that's the thing that, you know, this is why, you know, this, uh, your, your story resonates so well with me because this is, the, the pipeline. There are so many people that have, because, you know, I say, oh, yes, this is perfectly normal. Welcome to the club. And, you know, the parent will say, am I autistic? And possibly. And they say, oh, well, I would like an evaluation, too. Absolutely. So I get like all sorts of repeat it's business. It's a private I, pyramid scheme. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Selling the tisms. <laughs> so, so what happened for you guys, you, Brett? Oh my gosh. Um, well, it was I. It was not an affirming thing. So we, our insurance is Kaiser Permanente, and that oh, was that oh was God. just my condolences. A a limited. I mean, in some ways, it's it's good, but in this way, it was not. So between the waiting period of you know, just sitting there. And then when we got um, the assessment, they're very, you know, um, the finally the in-person one since, which is an hour and a half away from us. And anyway, that was his old adventure. Um, the, the assessment still had language such as, you know, so it was very, uh, you know, it's, it's a medical thing. So ASD level one, uh, mild, high functioning, uh, previously Asperger's, uh, by the way, here's a link, go to autism speaks. 
Of ah, course. Yeah. Oh wow. my God. And so that's in the paper. Um, there were some other links, but that wasn't mm. not in there. Um, mm. so, my son uh, did, got the same thing when he got his God awful neurotypical centered evaluation. It's, yeah. it's terrible. Yeah. So that, um, that was interesting, but it was, it was something that for working with educators, even well-meaning. And I mean, we, we had to, here's our teacher, great guy. He would have been wonderful for me as a child, um, for, for Kellen. He, he, so Kellen, anything naturalistic, he knows that he's like, I draw, you know, back when he was nine, I draw like a nine-year-old and that's not, I see what professionals can do. That's not what I can, this, this is not workable for me. So he could do abstract things and things that were non-representational and have fun with that. But that's not what this art teacher, uh, uh. Needed and wanted. And so he's like, in one of our parent teacher meetings, he's like, we're just going to shave the corners off of, off of Kellen. We're just, we'll just sort of you uh. know, round that out. And um, anyway, so, uh, really nice guy, but this is all to say that even a lot of the times the most, uh, veteran teachers, those that have see, you know, Oh, I, I had a student, you know, they go back to their one anecdotal, one example, and then they just carry that forward and then try to box in my son in, in these really potentially damaging ways that you know, often led to a, a traumatic experience or dissonance. And so that, that was, that's just not okay. Um, and then also hence in teasing out the name for the film, unboxing autism, you know, in multiple levels, but that was the thing that we kept experiencing where it was just so confining in what all these people said, um, it, this thing was. So we found, went to another school that was better. It was more wild, but it was too, too wild, too chaotic in his face. And we finally settled now to a uh, small school that has, it's again, recognize our, our privilege. I'm a college professor and we're single income, but this is, this is what for us, um, we're, we're putting our, our money towards. And we recognize that this is very lucky to have this situation. So now there's uh, 23 students in the school that's third through eighth grade. And it's a tag environment, but it's all about um, science, all the things that are his special interests, science, technology, engineering, math. Um, and everyone awesome. can completely go at their own pace um, and like truly. And that's that's been a world to our, our son for the first time um, in his life said, oh, this is what those children were talking about when they say they like school. I, I, <laughs> I mean, he just Aww. couldn't before. Like, have, like it was always this. What are they going to misunderstand about me now? And um, now and we've he like has- talked about how that shows up um, with other kids. Is like um, for Emily Dickinson, just kicking it back, old school, seventeenth uh, yeah. century. Like she had all these stomach issues and didn't want to go mm-hmm. to school and would stay in her room, like which makes perfect sense if you're in sensory overload and you just want to get back to your special interest for her. It was reading all the books in her father's library, but like there's a thing you want to do, or you could go be in sensory hell, which will I pick? I think I have a stomach ache. Yeah. Well, and it's always a bunch of trade-offs, right? No, you no system is going to be perfectly (laughs) great, but the one that was very rigid, um, they had, fire drills every month, maybe even multiple. And so, so for my son's sensory, his is sound, like sound and then 
you know, other things, but that, so he, he could never even focus on what they're doing, knowing that even if they told him, oh, there might be a fire drill this week. Oh, learning's gone. Like that's, that's right. Over. Like he's not, why are they in such a flammable be, school? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like a castle. It's made of like mortar. It's not, it's not there's like nothing flammable. Um, yeah. It's from the the inventor of Gore-Tex. Uh, they they made a little uh, private school, so it, they had money. It was it's interesting, like going to school in an airport or something. Um, but they the amount of you know yeah the sensory things you can't. And the other one was great that they had um, the one that we went to after was they had a giant mud pit, which was so perfect for Kellen and the sensory yeah for anyway. That's great. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh my so God. they could dig and they could do things. And so that part was great because, you know, usually we just put on my son's waterproof pants and boots and, you know, that's that's a way that he just so can be out there. Um, but then other kids would would kind of root, would do too much or not care enough to put on the right clothes and track it in so it got banned and, you know, all these things. So um, <laughs> where we're at, he's allowed scooters. Um, and so he, the, having that physical movement is such an important need during the pandemic, he became a, an Olympic level yoga ball master where he Ooh. can balance and do things on yoga balls. That's terrifying, but he doesn't, he incrementally can do, you know, he can go up a couch cushions that are, you know, four feet high and like, it's nuts. Um, that's so cool, but, but he doesn't ever fall. So anyways, having that physical, I do not have that. <laughs> <laughs> did not get that one really great. <laughs> yeah he very cautious you know we have an indoor rope swing um right that's he just needed to to move and i understood that i <laughs> i had that stuff too with uh, the eclectic hippie house in the cottage uh in the woods so um this yeah, is the so, way yeah, this is the way <laughs> um but so that was the the educational journey for for kellen so far and it's it's just been wild. And then now, um, that he has his own diagnosis and we're able to talk about that and he gets to see snippets from the film, the interviews that I do. And he's like, yeah, that, that, oh, and that, um, you know, a lot of, you know, I make sure that, <laughs> yeah, <I've, laughs> um, these other things that I've watched it and I was there in person. So I know what they're going to say, but he just has, he sees, and I'm so grateful that there's this community out there of people that, that can just articulate the same things and the same ideas in their own, even if it's different, um, that he feels. And, and so him having his own advocacy to send things eventually to teachers that, <laughs> that so misunderstood him along with all these other people that are saying, yeah, um, me too <laughs> in this way. Um, it's been, it's been huge. Um, me getting to film people, it's like having my own private Ted talk. Like our show? Here's how you can help. When you tell someone about this show, it helps make the world a friendlier place for autistic people. And when you rate or review us in your podcast player, it helps people find us. It really matters. And if you're PDA, I totally understand. Uh, uh, you can not not do this and it will still work out. So you get, you get his diagnosis and then start to, I think it's kind of what Matt said about a lot of his clients, start to see those descriptions and see yourself in them. Did you actually self-diagnose or did you pursue a formal diagnosis? 
Yeah. So uh, both, right? So it's kind of a one-two punch or, or a two-one punch. One-two one. So yeah, with with his diagnosis and looking at all the things and then learning more about the culture and um, you know uh, reading more um, Devin, you know Devin Price's book, um, oh, yeah. and then um, sorry, my, <laughs> my brain's going, um, I'm going to interview this him next month. So, yeah, this is the way. So, you know, reading all these, um, you know, other people that are more in the culture that experience it, that's been helpful learning the language. Um, and so, and seeing, recognizing very different experiences, but this kernel of similarity that mm. it's like, we are cousins, uh, even though being so completely different, there's this yeah. literal relation that resonates so strongly. Um, well, like that's the that, thing, like you're explaining the stack of cushions and like balancing on that. Like no way could I balance <laughs> on a yoga right. ball. I couldn't balance on one cushion, but I right. do get it. Like in, yeah, in how yeah, yeah. bad I am at standing, like walking, <laughs> like those basic things. That's going to tell us why. Yes. One of my favorite, because again, you know, this is all proprioceptive sensitivities. One yeah. of my favorite kids ever uh, had a lot of family stuff going on, clearly autistic. Uh, and his method of self-regulation was to, you know, do this kind of stuff. So uh, I had this, uh, I still do. It's one of my treasured work things now. This wooden tic-tac-toe set with wooden X's hmm. and wooden O's. Okay. And he would, instead of playing with them, he would uh, set the X upright, set the O on top of it, set the X on top, set the O on top and build a little tower. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then he was like, I wonder if I can stack an O on an O. And I was like, I don't know if you can, but I'd like to see it. So we just sat there and he just got into full on Zen mode yep. because yep. this the proprioceptive stuff, when you get inside your body like that, he yes. stacked an O on an O. And I was yeah. like, oh, my God, that's fantastic. I uh, yeah. took some pictures. It was great. Uh, I wonder if I can stack three O's. And I was like, I don't think you can, but let's try. And I, I would often offer this as a, a thing for my kids. I've only seen it happen twice. And both times it was like a miracle. And we were just like, oh my God, such beautiful autistic joy with people. The, yeah. Yeah. It was what. So this kid, he was having a particularly bad day and he said, hey, could we have some pizza? And I was like, I'll make you a deal. Uh, we'll, we'll do some stacking. And if you can stack, I'll get you a little Caesar's pizza. And he was like, so he made a bridge out of toilet paper. He wrapped, uh, with my desk chair, there's two arms on the desk chair. So he wrapped toilet paper around there and he was going to stack two O's on the toilet paper. And he said, if I can do this, get me a pizza. And I was like, I don't think that's going to happen, but if you do, I will get you a pizza. So it took him <laughs> like a half hour, but he did it. And I was like, well, uh, you go back to class. I'm going to go get you a pizza. So I brought him a pizza. He had his friends in. They had a little pizza party. <laughs> the, the school staff was like, you can't bring in outside food. Never do it again. But, you know, the kid, yeah. he had a good day because he was able to focus using yeah. that proprioceptive prowess. Yeah, and right that's on. that's how and he got outside so, of his like, body. I could literally never do that, but I can feel the buzz in my body yes. when I do. Like yeah, yeah. for me, it's sorting. Like oh my god, uh -huh. alphabetizing. Oh, well, uh, same books. thing. Yeah, same thing. Holy, Absolutely. Like the yeah. just the joy, and it's like a buzziness. And like you're like took a half an hour. I know for me, it would feel like 
it's not even like it feels like a minute. It feels like no time. It's no just time. like timeless yeah, time. time. Exactly, because you're in the zone. When you're in the mm. zone, time does not exist. Yeah, is the, uh, and, isn't there a term for that? Um, yeah, something flow, something flow. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, capital F flow. Uh, Chixik Mihai. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, I cannot spell Chixik Mihai's name, but if you look up uh, flow psychology on Wikipedia, you'll yes. read all about it. And yeah. Chixik Mihai described the quote unquote autotelic personality uh-huh. with high intrinsic motivation, yes. uh, low uh, rewards, uh, basically described us to a T. Yeah. And that's the reason why we are able to do such magnificent things yeah. when we're intrinsically motivated because we get into the flow state and we could do like, again, when your son is doing the science instead yeah. of this other stuff. And and that's the thing, because I, uh, I put a link in the show notes to Harry Chapin's flowers are red. Have you all heard the song? Oh, no. no. Tell us about it. Okay. So this, I hope that everyone listens to this because as you were talking about how your son's teacher said, no, do it like this. This is the song because Harry Chapin talks about a boy who goes to school, paints flowers, all the colors. And the teacher says, no, flowers are green and red. There's a way to do everything, young man, a way things must be. So Mm. the song talks about the teacher beating it into this child that there's only one way to draw flowers. And finally, the kid goes to a place where he can draw flowers of any color and they encourage him. But he's so dejected that he only draws flowers as red. And yeah. it's it's been one of those things that I've that and uh, the women folk little boxes, which we'll also include in the show notes because I love those songs. Those are the the two big autistic culture songs that I and it's it's uh, uh, on the one hand astounding, but on the other hand not at all surprising that your son had this exact experience because yeah. yeah. Well. And that's and that's the thing with with him. He also really wanted to make sure other kids don't experience this. And so he, yes. he that's why he wanted to interview to help educators just be more aware and to learn more and to let people know that they're they're not alone. Um, yeah, advocacy. I mean, the, advocacy yes. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, I have a year sabbatical uh, that's fully paid. Like, how do I be his megaphone? How do I? How do I make this happen and be as impactful as I possibly can? As always, this podcast is free and it will remain free, but we do now have a paid subscription over on our Substack page, which we wanted to tell you about. It includes lots of extras like private Q&A calls with Matt and I, our book club with our favorite book picks and discounts in our Tee Public store. You can check out all the goodies over on our Substack page at autisticculture.substack.com. So you you figured it out. You figured out that you were autistic. Why get, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but no, yeah, yeah, why yeah. get a formal diagnosis for you? Why was that yeah. a decision you made? So the process is interesting. After suspecting uh, just <laughs> uncanny similarities and differences, but ah. similarities in the ways that we're just... Right, the way we're talking about. Seem like, you know, what we're talking about, that kernel, that even if they're opposite, it's the same, it's that yeah. same seed. So I made a list of maybe and maybe not. Maybe. Uh, and then the, of course. the maybe the maybe list, of course, and list, yeah, what do you know? Uh, the maybe list just kept 
going, right? The more I just started <laughs> thinking and it just kept expanding. And I'm like, all right, all right, all right, let's balance this out. Let me put something in the maybe not, right? Okay, I did something I'm like, oh, actually that that's from masking for right. I personify the teacher that I want and then I can do that. That Oh, that's just a privilege to be able to do that for my, oh, okay. So, all right, I'll still put that in the maybe not, you know? And I, I had, there's like three things that were, Maybe not. I can I can force right. myself to make eye contact. Can make okay. eye contact. Uh, had a relationship. Oh. Yeah, like, right, made it through this. school. Kept a yeah. job. Yeah. This, this is honestly my my favorite part about meeting new people yeah. to get the lists and the documents and the research and you're like because again. It, there are a handful of uh, allistic people these days who seek an autism evaluation with me and I have to break the bad news to them. But again, generally speaking, they say, oh, yes, I've done a bit of research. And I, you know, facetiously say, really, have you? And then they say, yeah, I've, you know, been looking at it for, you know, the past 20 odd years. And yeah. uh, I've got this document that's 87 pages long. And yeah. uh, I I've, I've made a few sound files in this playlist on uh, Spotify. And, and, uh, you yeah, know, I'm like, really? Uh. And it's, it's, it, it, it lights the fire within yeah. me. That is autistic yeah. joy to see that in another human being, to see that, oh my God, this <laughs> is the way, this is our ritual of coming out. And it's yeah. beautiful. I love it. <laughs> so tell us I, more. Yeah. So I, I did that. And then I'm like, okay, there's, all right. Okay. And then, you know, it was making sense. But then there was always, you know, this, um, uh, well, what's, I'm just blanking on the words. Sometimes I have words and sometimes I don't. Um, I haven't been this my word reporter yet. Uh, this is yeah. the way. Uh, but uh, <laughs> let's see, where imposter syndrome, there we go. So yes. there's this feeling like, you know, what What if it's not this? So if I was going to pursue this film, if I was going to be an advocate, not not just, you know, for my son, right, which has a history in itself, but with my son and also to show solidarity for him in, in the most official capacity with a, like a royal stamp. Um, my work working at a community college is incredibly accommodating. Again, so privileged and so lucky that my my way I found my quirky profession, you know, I, I found my way to be more of myself unmasked, but in a way that, that just worked. So while I didn't need a direct accommodation, like so many really do need in their various work, mine was more for, if I'm, if I'm going to do a film and say like this way, I am, I felt like I just needed a bit more, um, for what the outside for, for this to not degrade or someone, neurotypicals to cast out or anything else, um, to make it as impactful as possible. I really just wanted to make sure, <laughs> make sure that I get the official stamp or, um, and, and sort of make it, uh, you know, pursue it from that. And it was interesting when I pursued it, um, it there was always that imposter syndrome. like, am I just imagining it? Am I sympathizing? You know, did that level? magically go away when you had the official diagnosis? Cause it I hear did. from women, they get the official diagnosis and then they still have imposter syndrome. Like maybe yeah. that so diagnosis have, wasn't good enough for, I still have a bit. What helped with that is the, uh, doctor that did the diagnosis, um, is autistic, um, themselves. Oh, and good. Yes. Yeah. So I went through, um, and 
<laughs> for me, it, it didn't really matter who was through as long as they were narrow affirming, but you were, you know, could look at it and identify it. It's a different way. So I went through um, a, yeah, pri- of course, I had to be private, private all out of pocket, <laughs> all of all what it was. It was not through any insurance, um, but it, it seemed it seemed important. But they were, you know, not pushing me towards anything. But at the very end, you know, <laughs> I, I got this all in film, too. So we'll reveal this. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, they they said, OK, I know you don't like waiting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for, for, <laughs> for the answer. So I just want to let you know that you know my find that you you are absolutely autistic and and welcome to the family. And I, Aww. you know, it was, it was like congratulations. I, I was not expecting an emotional reaction. I thought it would be like okay, okay, I can continue with the film now. But it like it it hit me, uh, and you know, I was like, uh, <laughs> thank you it's good to be here. You know, <laughs> it's just that but is moment. It, is it that rewriting? You started talking about this earlier and I pulled you back, but is it like the grief of rewriting how things could have been different if you knew when you were Kellen's age? Like, is that you think what so it is? My, my journey was so supported in this bizarre route. And my masking was such that I didn't stand out in a way for bullies. So many of the common things, refrains that I'm hearing, for me, it just finally made sense mm. of literally everything. Like, it just was like, click, right? You know, someone's doing some puzzle deep in a, you know, cave and somewhere and they have to get into there and they do that final pivot and then, and then all the machinery just unfolds and it's this futuristic alien spaceship. That That's, that's what for me, it was that final click and then just processed everything from papers, from uh, undergrad of identity. And I'm like, well, that's a complex question. You know, I couldn't even talk about the gray of all of that. And uh, anyways, how I talk, how I write, um, the things I create, the things that I notice, the things I feel that, you know, everyone's like, oh, that's that's just Brett. And I'm it's not just me. <laughs> I'm just so excited to have a community and talk to you two and all the other people that I've been able to communicate. Um, I just got back from a trip to the UK and I had a pivot from the, one of the subjects they were interviewing. And so we got Joe James, the autistic photographer. Oh yes. And, uh, and it, I mean, we have like similar facial hair and our, <laughs> we were like literally all the all the things that we resonated mm. with were like oh we're literally cousins somehow i mean we're not related yeah. but so mm. now he's we're just autistic cousins uh so now we call each other yeah. cousin uh, so well, this because is, it was this is why i want to talk about that imposter syndrome thing and the and the diagnosis yeah. and the reaction to it because my goal as yeah. an autistic advocate and for like the future of autism is like nobody Nobody needed to diagnose me as Italian-American. I grew up in an Italian-American culture. I knew how to like recognize that. And like, I could have been adopted. Like there could have been a 23andMe big reveal, right? Uh But I would still feel connected to Italian-American culture because I Mm. grew up with Mm -hmm. fresh pasta and cannolis. Like I know this culture. I am a part of this culture. And so 
the diagnose, like as soon as we get to diagnosis, I know I'm trying to write Matt out of a job, but I'm hoping he can do autistic centered therapy as his like actual career. I totally agree with you on this. Go on. Yeah. It's like the diagnosis makes it medical. Nobody diagnoses me as Italian. Like I I completely, it's a culture we should be able to recognize. And I do this when I see an Italian American that I like meet when I'm traveling, I'll be like, Hey, are you Paisan? Are you, and they'll be like, sometimes it's a Portuguese person or a Jewish person. And they'll be like, Paisan. I'm like, I thought you were Italian. It's all good. Like (laughs) as you were, (laughs) when we meet someone, I was in a bar in Oxford and there was this mom and her nine-year-old kid, nine-year-old kid had 34 books on uh, German tanks from World War II. <laughs> That's it. I didn't do a diagnosis. We, I didn't call Kaiser. I didn't have to pay out of pocket. Like, that's all I got. I immediately started talking to that kid. I'm like, what's your favorite tank? Why? Show me the coolest picture. Which of these books? Let's go. There was no small talk. His mom no, was like, no, what's why? happening? I'm yeah. like, because we're cousins. He's paisan. <laughs> Again, the yeah. 34 you know, that should be what I, the assessment is. That that's just what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's why I'm glad that you went to an autistic person because I, I, I really think that the identification process should literally be autistic people chatting together and yeah. vibing because, yeah. you know, as soon as yeah. you say, yes, 32 books on German tanks or, you know, all this stuff <laughs> or my books or my gardens or my animals, whatever yeah. floats your boat, as soon as you get into that flow, you know. It's, no. it's not diagnosis, it's identification. And, and yeah. I've, I've used Ooh. the term ought mitzvah instead of, mm. you know, uh, an avowal because it's, it's, yeah. a, it's welcome to the community, welcome yeah. to the club, welcome to our people, welcome home. Welcome home. Because yeah. when you vibe, you feel it. Yes. So that's, and, yeah. Yes. Um, so one of, so in interviewing um, such a range of, of, you know, individuals so far, you know, there's, there's complexity, um, in getting a diagnosis. Some have to the need accommodations for work, you know, so it all comes yeah, back to sure. what, what they need. So for me, I feel like I needed it, you know, for, for my son to just see like, no, no, you know, Hey man, like this is, we, you know, this is us here. And then same thing as a lever for, for his school and working with educators, um, for my work, you know, I'm again, fortunate, not so much, but there are some that in order to do the things that they want that, it has to be medicalized and it's, it shouldn't yeah. be, it should just be exactly no. what you're talking about, Angela, where it's just like, the, no, this is the kind of neurotype that you have and you should get these accommodations. I mean, that should just yeah. be a one-to-one and it's not. And then it, to complicate it, you it's have things yet. like race and culture. It's not, it's not yet. yet. <laughs> but you know, if someone gets a, a diagnosis, um, talking to Miranda Kay, that could be weaponized against them. Yeah. And mm, that's it could, true it could jeopardize their ability to, not their ability, but their perceived ability yes. to, to yes. be the incredible parent that they are. And it, because it's so misunderstood and it's so medicalized and there's so many things that I'm finding out of, of how different this experience is for so many um, and how, how the beauty is just so lost on so many. Uh, and and the, instead the fear 
that's a perfect segue to the divergent gift. So <laughs> let's uh, tell people now a little bit, what is the film? You've mentioned these interviews you're doing, and I know yeah. that's connected to the film, but <laughs> what's the film? Why are you doing it? Yeah. And then what are these interviews you speak of? <laughs> I mean, we kind of covered the why, because mm. I mean, it was literally this process and... Um, well, so seeing... I meant why a yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. I just of... love the fact that you said, <laughs> oh, autism, let's research the hell out of it and make a movie. That's... <laughs> This is the way. Yeah, well, yes. because I know I can. Yes. We love hearing from our listeners. So head over to this episode on Substack and leave us your comment. It's autisticculture, all one word, dot substack.com. That's autisticculture.substack.com. So I, in undergrad or in undergrad, you know, I studied film and documentary and in grad school, I made, um, my, you know, uh, special interest was environmental things and greenwashing specifically. Mm. Um, so I did a feature film on greenwashing and that won a bunch of awards and it was super eclectic and bizarre and performance art because I could literally act. I could just put on a performance where I was Alex, you know, <laughs> what was it? Who was, it was my, uh, I was Alex, a greenwasher promotion representative where if people weren't oh, this green is enough, like a Colbert, Colbert yeah, kind of character. Yes. yes, yes yeah. Um, That's actually, awesome. Like, we have plastic badges that make irradiate terrible bird sounds that show just how environmentally friendly you are. And I could just like play <laughs> this. And now this is all making sense of how I could just do that um basking <laughs> so phil yes and it was like oh this is just a different mask i just play my nemesis and then there we go so that, go. that film was uh an, a really great experience but then you know i went into to get my mfa to teach so this is i talk in spirals i apologize i'm trying to be a this is the way <laughs> this is the way <laughs> um, that also came that term from my uh, assessment, which was great. I'm like, oh, yes, I do. I get to a point. It's just a journey. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so for <laughs> filmmaking, it was, you know, pursuing uh, those things. And then I went to get my MFA for teaching specifically at the college level. So I got my full time gig. I teach at a community college where many of our students are uh, neurodivergent. They're talking about being autistic right there. I feel like the culture is changing. And so I was always trying to figure out how to scaffold, how to accommodate and work with and bring everyone's special interest to bear in this. And so anyways, this has always been in the back of my mind with my son's diagnosis um, and then me wondering about myself and how this fits um, really began to research. So I was truly an outsider, you know, was looking at, you know, the links they gave me with all equal, like, what is all this? Um, and then mm. autism became a special interest uh, about a year ago. And I was up for, <laughs> no kidding, uh, I was up <laughs> for uh, sabbatical to apply for a sabbatical. And they're really competitive to do there. But I, I made one that was foolproof. I'm like, if they say no to this, I then I need to find a different place. Because like this, there is, I have to make a film. It wasn't a... Um, no, like, oh, just like, it's, it's like breathing only you're underwater and like, I got to get that stuff. <laughs> yeah. This there. will happen. This yep. will happen. <laughs> um, and then strangely more people that are like, oh, I don't know. 
oh, now it's going to happen. Thank you for cementing. Little PDA there. Got yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's like reverse PDA that, uh, yeah. I mean, I wrote a book before I was 30 and for Adobe and all that. You, know, you can just do that when someone says, mm, I don't know. Yeah. Watch me. You pour yeah. some rocket fuel on that fire. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So they, yeah, that, that fueled that. So I did more research, um, you know, found partners uh, that could help me do it. Um, Cause I learned in writing the book that just because I can do a thing all by myself does not mean I should. Ooh, right. So good awareness. <laughs> trying, trying to bring in more. So I found a B Corp, uh, certified B Corp, where they do good for their community. They support good things. And so I started reaching out for them. This was also near and dear to their heart as well. Uh, and so I just started getting more, um, you know, support in the ways that I could. The grants didn't come through because they, um, you know, it's it wasn't where it needed to be. So I had this one year. The uh, sabbatical was approved obviously. Uh, and so I had this, this year to make a film, a documentary, uh, that is about the divergent gift unboxing autism. And so the idea is to interview, uh, various subjects and to show the diversity of this diversity, uh, and of neurodivergent and also to, to not just show sort of the hidden and unseen challenges and struggles and how diverse that is for so many people, but also the, the gifts and the unexpected gifts this is also just because it's a, a gift or an ability, it's complicated. Uh, and to show that that complication and take out people's just very, I don't know, rigid idea of what this is and what they were doing to my son. Um, and so channeling that frustration and in, in how my son was being treated and the way that he was being talked to and his experiences and he's incredibly articulate, uh, went and, and started with his interview and, and so set that up in our house. Um, and then he started talking about it and then, and got his okay, got mom's okay and showed a selection. Like, I know you don't like hearing your voice. That's standard. Uh, but you know, is, does this sound good? He's like, yes. And so played that for some people and they're like, what he said, what, what he said. Um, and so that, that's when I knew, that I had to keep going, <laughs> that I will make it through. Um, and so now I've, you know, set up interviews, um, across the country. And then in the UK, um, just interviewed Sue Nelson, of the BBC who got her diagnosis at the age of 60, uh, and wrote a wonderful, wonderful article on that. So she invited me to her house. Um, I was going to get, uh, Jason R day, but life happened and that, you know, it does, right. It was just too much. He's onboarding, um, youngest black professor at Cambridge, this is his first term. I, you know, so Jason, if you're watching this, we'll, we'll see if we can go back and get yours. I just, you know, um, so excited. So, um, yeah, did, did what we could got Joe James, the autistic photographer, um, got to film him doing his creative thing. Cause a lot of what he does is such a, such a one-to-one -one with this film where he discovered that he could do photography for the first time. Um, the first time that he's doing it to a professional level. Right. He could just see composition. He could see depth. He could see color. He could do all these things. And I. And did I he figure like, that out after his diagnosis? Uh, yeah, or his he story, was doing it forever? He, no. So he, yeah, after, after his diagnosis, and it was very much, and I'm paraphrasing so much of, of this, I'm trying to remember the interview and uh, his things, uh, but he has an anthology of a whole bunch of different um, autistic experiences in a new book that just came out. So that's a separate thing. Oh, good. But yeah, yeah. Um, so his, his experience, it sounded like 
um, it was really negative and just very much down. It was not a supportive thing. Then he found photography and what he could do with it in just a literally zero to 60 in, in nothing flat, right? He could just go right there. And people are like, what do you mean you've never done photography before? You know? And so he became <laughs> very, very quickly, um, you know, he saw that that's because of being autistic and his neurodivergent brain. And so that became his form of advocacy of like, look, look what th this is just one example of many. And so he used that as a, a really um, great example for, you know, autistic uh, positive identity and building that. And so his kind of story is, is much of the, the same idea behind this film is showing that it's complicated, not, not talking about past traumas or, or those things, but really showing what, what this culture, what this, you know, mindset or, you know, what the autism can really allow, um, whether it's, it's known, maybe it's just in how deeply someone feels about something or what it's, they can create or bounce on a, on a yoga ball. Um, and yeah. all these incredible things that are just not recognized the way that they should be. And so that's, that's the idea of this film is how to bring more, more attention to that. I don't know if That's you awesome. heard our quest love episode, but I did. Okay. Yeah. One of my oh, favorite good. things about that is like his stem was spinning yeah. anything. Yeah. And so his yeah. dad, who is a music guy was like, spin these record albums. And then he becomes yeah. one of the world's best DJs. And then, yeah gets into music history, African-American yeah. music history, because his dad's music collection, because he's looking at the pictures and the names and memorizing them while he's stimming. <laughs> he's stimming into special interest because it wasn't pathologized. It was like, it yeah, spin the records, kid. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. yeah. What well, are we missing while we're sending kids to ABA and trying to fix them? Yeah. Like if we sent yeah. Questlove to ABA, we don't get the world's best African-American music historian. Yeah. And I, that's the I, thing. I, ABA I, is yeah. all about making people, quote unquote, indistinguishable from peers instead of letting us be extraordinary. Yeah. And it hurts. I, yeah. I, if you have a Questlove contact, please let me know. Uh, yeah, God, that's the perfect interview, right? Listen, I've sent him about 10 uh, requests to be on our show. So okay. when we I've get him, we will requests, send him your so. way. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, no, cause, cause really that, that exemplifies, um, I think so much wonderful beauty about the culture and so much of what's misunderstood and, how, you know, and it's not vocalized that he's autistic. Not that everyone needs to. Everyone should be able to. to, to I mean, he does address. talk about it. He talks about he it does. in his autobiography. Yeah. He was diagnosed. NPR, yeah. Um, but in some of the earlier ones, you know, he would not mention it. And that's the stigma. Mm. So this is that the other is component the of, of the, the film is how do we drop that or at least lower the heck out of out of that stigma so people can just be. The, the people they are right? yeah. <laughs> and make that okay, you know? Um, so we can get more quest loves and we can get, you know, more, you know, Joe, uh, James, the autistic photographer, and, you know, and see, <laughs> we'll see where my son's going, but it's, it's um, yeah, there's, it's a lot to, to still fight and to bring to the conversation. And, um, and yeah, we'll I'm say so, so that the world can get more of Brett Malley and the <laughs> Divergent Gift. Um, we're going to make sure in the show notes we link to the trailer. I know when I saw the trailer, I was like, we got to get this guy on here. 
Um, I think you are also, um, you are taking producers so people can join the team as a producer, kind of donate to the production and be a part of it. Yeah, we just picked up a, a fiscal non profit um or nonprofit fiscal sponsor there we go right words uh, mm, dyslexia is also pick any idea. order it happens, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, through the portland art museum which Ooh, is lovely. huge and so that's very exciting so we'll pretty soon have a, a donation we just did a round of fundraising and that sent me an equipment to the uk and so we'll have another round to hire oh this is the other component uh, we're visualizing um, a lot of the experiences and rep- in illustrating and animating uh, and creating collaboration with uh, neurodivergent and autistic artists to That's collaborate awesome. with the interview subjects and to bring things to life in ways that are not just interesting, but illustrative and then resonant. Um, and so it's also a bit of a collaborative thing. So yes, there will soon be a donation, a new donation link that will add to it so we can pay at professional wage um, the neurodivergent artists that um, we're going to be hiring for the next next part of this film. So, oh my That's god, we awesome. love that. We will definitely have those links in the show notes, so Wonderful. you can find Brett, and also so you can tell everybody about this movie when it's out and when it's on the festival circuit. Track it down at your local film festivals. Listen, Brett, I normally end the show by asking, what do you love about being autistic? I think you just gave us that. So I'm exempting you from the question and I'm going to flip it over to Matt to tell us all, what did you love most about being autistic this week, Matt? Uh, I just got in the mail uh, some uh, presents for my son. Uh, he is a big Thomas the Train fan. Uh, and again, the current incarnation of Thomas has autistic writers, has an explicitly autistic character in Bruno. And uh, the, I just got some color changing cars, uh, a Thomas and a Percy. When you put Percy in hot water, he turns blue. And when you put Thomas in hot water, he turns green. So they swap colors and he is just going to freak out because that's exactly the kind of thing that he is going to like. When when he is excited, he is incredibly excited because of the autistic joy. And I love seeing his reaction to things. And uh, when he loves something, the world lights up for me. So it's going to be a great, great thing. Well, we all have have (laughs) neurodivergent sons and I'm just like, just feeling the love for all of our boys. So to Emmett and Jesse and Kellen, we're going to dedicate this episode of the Autistic Podcast to you and your divergent gifts. Brett, thank you so much for being our guest. Uh, If you like this, if you want to know more, like, comment, share, subscribe, all the things you're supposed to do, do those things. And if you don't know how to do any of those things, just drop us an email at info at Autistic Culture Podcast. That's what Brett did. And that's how he ended up here. So thanks, Brett. Thank you so much, Angela. Thank you, Matt. Have a great day. Have a good one. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Autistic Culture Podcast. If you like this show, you can help other people find it by taking a few minutes to rate and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can find out more about writing your book with me at differencepress.com. That's difference, D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-C-E, press, P-R-E-S-S.com. Or getting a psychological evaluation or consult with me at www.mattlowerylpp.com. That's M-A-T-T, Matt, 
Lowry, L-O-W-R-Y, L-P-P, as in Licensed Psychological Practitioner.com. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, no one ever changed the world by being like everyone else. Special thanks to our content manager, River Robbins, and Aaron Stoner, our producer for making us look and sound good. Thank you.